All right, all right, all right. Episode five. Welcome, welcome. This is another episode of Reeducated, a podcast where we rethink, relearn, and get reeducated on many topics facing our Black community here in the state of New Mexico. And this podcast is brought to you by the State Office of African American Affairs. Big thank you to everyone in that office giving us this platform. I feel super fortunate and super special to be able to bring this message. My name is Danny Golden, and I am joined by my co-host, Devin Williams. What's, What's good? up? <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Honestly, it is uh, it's great to just be breathing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I just try not to ever take any breaths for granted, especially in today's world. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. I just took a deep breath. <laughs> Yes, sometimes I think we forget to breathe, you know, with everything happening and the stress of work and life and family and relationships and all that. And sometimes uh, just taking a nice deep breath and, you know, just letting that run Mm -hmm. through us and get all our cells oxygenated properly and everything can have a big difference. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Like just having that sense of being in the present moment and really embracing where you are at that moment, I think is very vital. And I think we're so much into what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next week, tomorrow, or this happened yesterday that we forget that it's very vital for us to constantly bring our attention back to what's going on right here, right now. 100%. And I'm so grateful that in this present moment, all of you are here listening with us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, interact with us. That's how we're able to connect with you all and keep this going. And once again, we're just so appreciative. Uh, Just make sure you catch up with our first season if you haven't listened already. And like I said, this is episode five. So we've got four seasons prior to this in episode two. Um, sorry, in season two <laughs> <laughs> that you can listen to if you haven't already. So let's get into it. Today's episode, season two, episode five is... Law enforcement. Yes. Again. <laughs> Again, something that we talked about in season one and mm-hmm. we touched on as a lot of that conversation was so fresh mm-hmm. uh, because of a lot of the... Um, events that were taking place when we discussed this last. So jumping into it, same, same, yeah, but different. Exactly. You know? But still same. But still same. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you got that reference. I got you. I'm right here. Uh, Same, same, but different. So, and what I mean uh, by that when I use that phrase is that it's a different day. We have a lot more names to add to the list of... Mm our black siblings that we've lost. But uh, yeah, same issue, same root, same issue uh, that we're facing with law enforcement. And because we're in an age of free information and technology, mm-hmm. we're just seeing these interactions between black citizens and law enforcement more and more is come to the forefront and it's right in our faces and our social media feeds and Mm. the news and everywhere around us. But, uh, you know, it's Mm. not much has changed. Yeah. And just to speak to that, I think one of the things that we need to do, especially as black people is understand that things are going on, but 
take a break because mm-hmm. it's all in our faces. It's in, mm-hmm. like you said, social media. It's on YouTube. It's on the television. Like, during the George Floyd trials, I had to personally take a step back and just not— actively not engage in what's going on in the trial uh, visually, even though I was still mm-hmm. keeping up with everything, but right. just not look at it because it's re-traumatizing. Yeah. Like, they had to continue to show that video of a knee on his neck. They over are doing it from again. different angles, yeah. different individuals are talking about that specific incident, incident. And so, especially as black people, we need to, again, or I think that we need to just understand that we don't have to always watch mm. what's going on. We can take a yeah. break from all the trauma that's being reintroduced to us. Yeah, 100%. Because it's there. It's happening. We know about it. Unfortunately, we know that we'll tune in and it'll. it's going to keep happening because the change is just not happening that it doesn't happen that quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't happen like that. We're, we can't just turn this off. You can't turn the undercurrent of racism, and really an overcurrent. I can't even yeah. call it undercurrent at mm-hmm. this point because it's just so overt. Yeah. Uh, you can't turn it off, though. You know what I mean? And so you can't you can't make it stop, but you can disconnect. Yes. Right? Um, and so I think that's a good point that you make that sometimes we just got to step back, even in a society that doesn't really want to give us rest. They And some people profit and benefit off of showcasing black pain and black grief and all of these things. We sometimes just have to take it up on ourselves to take a step back and be like, y'all, I'm good. I'm going to be over mm-hmm. here. Because yeah. I'm like you, I had to turn it off. I got like the little notifications and things like that, but I just, you know, couldn't watch. And yeah, it's just, it's rough. And that brings us to a point. I mean, last time we had this conversation, your boy wasn't even on trial yet. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, I don't think they had, when we had this conversation, that they had even charged him mm-hmm. yet. And, you know, since then, not only have they charged him, but they've convicted Derek Chauvin on all counts mm-hmm. of uh, murder of George Floyd. Yeah. And uh, speaking to the trial, I mean, mm-hmm. again, they tried to do everything that they could to discredit George Floyd mm-hmm. with him not even being here to defend himself. But, right. you know, like they're saying, oh, he was using drugs, he yeah. was intoxicated. They were trying to put out all these just insane accusations. And it's like, that's something that as black people, we deal with every single day. Right? Like, you know, we're fortunate to still like be alive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, But yeah, we definitely deal with it. And I really think that's also adds another element of trauma to... We already lost this man in such a violent and Mm -hmm. disgusting way, right? Then on top of it, you're going to go back and smear this man's name because that is the perfect victim like philosophy that someone has to be perfect and, you know, done absolutely no wrong and whatever in order for their murder to be deemed like unjust. You know what I mean? Because really that's, it was just murder and cold blood in this man. I don't care if he did drugs. Whatever he did, law enforcement is not judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. 
And that's exactly what we've seen at play in so many of these cases. And we have to get out of this culture of victim blaming, especially with 100%. black people, because that's all it is. Like, right. You're blaming the victim for just being alive and just mm-hmm. wanting to live their life. And it's like, when you do that, when you have um, like situations or encounters with law enforcement, People have to be the mediators and have to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. When you have law enforcement who uh, has the training, you know. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, again, it's it's just frustrating because mm-hmm. we have to have so many skills as black people mm-hmm. just to navigate. We have to understand our side and law enforcement side. We have to have a holistic approach to how we navigate every day with having to code switch, with having to have good de-escalation skills, Mm -hmm. with having to always stay calm and, you know, male temper, even though we might have had a bad day, we might have been through some things, you know. And for them, the ones who are supposed to be trained, the ones who should have that experience and should be having this holistic approach and dealing with different cultures, different Mm -hmm. ethnic groups, different individuals, they're quick to jump the gun and say, hey, you look suspicious to me. Well, and we we have the, you know, the deck automatically when we come into these interactions is stacked against us because now we have to go up against uh, (laughs) this training that so apparently is not there, Mm -hmm. uh, but also the programming, uh, you know, that these law enforcement officers are come into the situation with. I mean, I just saw a video today that's gone viral of Ahmad Arbery. And I believe this video was from 2019. Mm-hmm. Ahmad, you see the video. Um, it opens up with him um, stepping out of his car. He's in like a park. His car is parked. And the officer is telling him, you look suspicious. You're, you know, what are you doing? I mean, the line of questioning was automatically uh suspecting him of criminal behavior and the man is literally just sitting there Ahmad tells him in the video I'm I rap like I'm just sitting here writing music and Mm. that that honestly like struck me because I'm just like yo like I could be sitting in a park writing music and somebody roll up on me I can't even imagine and I'm I understand the privilege that I have being, you know, uh, a female and being light, fair skinned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I can only imagine, like, my partner, Scott, what if he's sitting in his car writing music in a park and to be accosted like that and harassed and verbally threatened? And he, <laughs> what's crazy about that is he made it out of that encounter miraculously just to not survive a couple years later with, you know, the situation mm-hmm. that led to his death. Mm. Um, so that's just, you're 100% accurate in saying that we are not the ones responsible for de-escalating. We are not the ones responsible for making sure that everybody in that situation comes out of it alive. That's what I thought when I would see police officers as a kid, I always thought, like, they're supposed to keep us safe. They're supposed to keep us alive, right? Mm. 
do everything that you can to make sure that when you go into an encounter, everybody comes out of that situation alive. Yeah. That's how it should be anyways. But even even when I was growing up, like, that's one of the first things that you learn mm-hmm. growing up in certain areas. Is, yeah. Make sure that— <laughs> To clarify, I held yeah, that that yeah. uh, thought for a very short period of time that I realized what it, what it really was. <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah. like you, you got to be careful of police. You know, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you navigate, you are walking the right way, make sure you mm-hmm. do everything you can to avoid those hot spots where mm-hmm. police are. Mm-hmm. And, again, one of the biggest things is police are not— active in black communities. Yeah. They're, they fear black people. We're not human. They're dehumanizing. Like, this society already dehumanizes us. Right. And so when they see black people, they see monsters. They mm-hmm. see killers. They see gangbangers. They see aggressive individuals. And it's mm-hmm. like, what 100%. are we supposed to do? Yeah. The... <laughs> what are we supposed to do? You know, I, I honestly would love to hear law enforcement talk about that because in so many of these situations, even when we do abide, even when we do comply, even when we are respectful, they don't end up the way a lot of other situations do. We end up dead. We end up hurt and maimed. And you know what I mean? Because we, we're talking about the murders that happen. What about the people that are uh, left uh, sterile or what have you from being tased yeah. so much? What about the people that, you know, have long-lasting chronic pain? Mm. I saw a 65-year-old grandma ripped out of her car by her locks mm. by law enforcement on the side of the road. So <laughs> please do tell what it is that y'all would like us to do, mm. you know? I just like I get I get baffled I get baffled by it. But um, do you think that the Derek Chauvin verdict has or will create a major shift in this dynamic? Yes and no. I think that it's it's kind of like a light switch that's turned on. And you know, have like you have certain facilities where mm-hmm. it takes like twenty minutes for the lights to get on because it's like old and yeah. such a huge facility. <laughs> I feel like that's the situation, but I think that with that, like, even though I think things are going to mobilize, I also am very fearful of a lot of people, especially Mm -hmm. in that area, because when you have a situation like that, then you have certain people who are advocates, very strong advocates for Chauvin, who are going to go out of their way to make a statement yeah. Specifically targeting the black community. Yes, I agree with that 100%. I I see both sides where you're coming from. Like, yes, it does kind of push the movement forward mm-hmm. in a way. My take on it is I'm I'm glad he got some form of punishment because I mean, even he was surprised. Oh, yeah. He saw his face. He was like, what? (laughs) I'm not protected by white privilege here in this situation. Oh, no, 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 no. He was just beside himself, baby. But (laughs) that, I mean, that's beside the point. I think that it was a a good uh, uh, reminder to people, like, that that's not okay in a sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just 
bringing this one person to justice in the same system that oppresses us. And by the same, like we're asking the same system because this is a system. This isn't the whole bad, I don't like the bad apples uh, com- uh, conversation or argument when it comes to cops. Oh, there's just some bad apples that ruin the whole no. bunch. I think that we're wanting a system to bring someone to justice when it's really not just about that person, it's about the system. And I believe strongly that the whole system, since it was built on a foundation that was against us to begin with, it has it has something drastic has to be done to overrun and rebuild that establishment. Mm-hmm. You know, if we really want it to, like, in the long run, actually dole out justice. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think until we change and dismantle or alter or have this extravagant event that completely shifts what's going on in the system and how it Mm -hmm. navigates and how it operates, we're all going to continue to be victims of the system. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate is that black people and people of the color, we're all victims, even white people, but we're the ones that got to die. We're the ones who get shot. We're the ones who have to walk on landmines or, you know, we got to hide and do all this. Mm -hmm. And we got to bend over backwards and go out of our Mm -hmm. way just to have a somewhat slightly normalized life in this Mm -hmm. society. Yeah. We're three times more likely to be killed with police encounters. Mm. Like, what? Like, that already right there, that numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. Data doesn't lie. And for anyone who tries to say that, you know, law enforcement overall is, like, good, it's just, like, certain situations where stuff goes wrong. And I heard a lot with the Derek Chauvin verdict. He had a really, you know, he had a decision to make in an instant and he, all these factors to— the only decision that he needed to be concerned about in that instance was letting that man breathe. Mm. That is the only thing that he had to consider. Wasn't nobody attacking him, no weapons were pointed at him, and nobody's knee was on his neck. You feel me? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I just ain't got time for nobody that's talking about like, oh, like consider the, no, no, we're not considering the the law enforcement needs to consider what your job is, which is to serve and protect the people. Exactly. And, the, you know, it should be just like nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think doctors are as prevy to punishment, but mm. just like nurses in the sense of if you have malpractice, yeah, you're going to lose your job and your license. Heck yeah. Like if you, <laughs> I heard this said because in the Dante Wright situation, that was the situation where old girl was like, oh, I thought it was my taser. <laughs> uh, yo, if you're a doctor and you're operating on someone like, and oh. you're supposed to do suction in the wound, but you scalpel the the heart. Yeah. <laughs> you out of here, bro. Like, yeah. it's no, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to be held accountable. So why I really think, like, as this conversation goes on, we'll maybe peel back the layers to figure out why 
uh, it's so hard. Part part of it is qualified immunity and all of these other things that go into it, which, by the way, New Mexico just pulled back, repealed, mm. however we want to say that. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, but I really think that we're going to, you know, as we move forward, a lot of this is going to come to light as to like why it's so hard to apply those same expectations and those same, what do you call it, like requirements. Yeah. Why it's so hard to apply that into law enforcement. <laughs> because law enforcement, that was the... That that was a regulating organization when it came to slaves and slavery, oh, yeah. and so you know this is a slave-driven society. Which people are like, "Why are we struggling so much?" I'm like, "You had more than four hundred, like multiple centuries of free labor. Yeah. Centuries, like when you say <laughs> yeah. it like that, centuries of free labor. Centuries of free labor where you don't have to pay your, pay your employers." Now we're starting to get somewhat of uh, equity in terms of people getting paid. We're still nowhere near. I mean, yeah, you got people, you got people making more off of um, off of unemployment, which they should be making that because that's yeah. actually a livable wage, right? But you have more people making uh, money off of unemployment than people in actual jobs. Right. It's like now what we're getting we to a reality of okay. This is what's going on in America. Like, we're yeah. not as great as people say we are. Yeah. Or people thought we were in the past. Right. And it's not that we it's not that we don't have the potential to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not that we don't, you know, uh, this brings to mind the recent conversation or the statement that was made by, oh, boy, talking about America's not a racist country. Well, isn't a country made up of, like, its institutions? Don't the, the effectiveness and the fairness and the righteousness of the institutions that comprise that nation, isn't that nation only as good as those institutions? And mm. law enforcement is a huge arm of society. So if law enforcement is, like, proven it's proven we have the data that black people are falling victim at such high rates it's a pandemic in itself yeah then how can we not say like i want to be able to say like it's not racist i want to be we want to be able to we oh, don't yeah. want to live in like this. this we don't like it it's not like we're like get some type of sick satisfaction out of saying the truth it's just that it's the way that it is and and we can overcome it. But in order to do that, we have to call out injustice where it lies. Mm -hmm. And that's in this institution, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Really? But. I mean, I I know I get so passionate. We, we both oh, do. Yeah. And we talk about it and talk about it. And I think a lot of people are like, you know, what the talking we're, we're talking about it but there are ways that we can get active there are ways that we can educate ourselves and arm ourselves with information uh and knowledge of the actual law mm -hmm. uh on that note i think that law enforcement should be lawyers mm, but yeah. that's for another day or at least <laughs> at least have at least have a degree in sociology in sociology and psychology psychology communication communications social work social work you yeah. know what i mean yeah. like something but oh no we at least have a degree <laughs> dang like 
Yo, not even playing though, like at least have a degree. You know what I mean? Something. It's like, how do we, how do we in society, it's like, go to college, do this, do, you know, yeah. go higher education. It's like, our law enforcement officers don't have to do what? The ones who have the power, compute. the most power to kill us and hurt us. Yeah, and, but you, you don't know. have to be educated. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Anyway, well, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss the legislation that we've brought up and that is germane to this conversation. But in the meantime, enjoy these sounds from M. Scott Loves Life. And we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. everybody this is re-educated a podcast where we're going to rethink relearn and get re-educated on many topics facing our black community here in the state of new mexico i'd like to thank so much the new mexico state office of african-american affairs for creating this platform for us and continuing to support our voices and letting our voices be heard i feel very fortunate to be in that position along with my co-host devin williams thank you so much for always having these conversations and just showing up in this way i think uh we're doing so much more with our voices than we think sometimes it's super powerful so thank you for sharing this space with me. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, talk, you know, talk to us. We want to hear from you. You can comment. You can also uh, leave feedback on the website, which is oaaa.state.nm.us. Get it right. Get it right. Get it tight. (laughs) You know, we always say, but yeah, go there and leave your feedback for us. And of course, always uh, listen in to our episodes you can find on all platforms. Just be sure to share. We appreciate you in advance. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Danny, for being willing to, you know, come into the space and, you know, share this space and being willing to you know, help facilitate the conversation and have the dialogue and um, talking and being willing to talk on some of these different uh, topics and subjects that are very sensitive and, you know, can be very difficult to talk about, especially because that's some, a lot of the stuff we experience it every day every or day, yeah. if not a lot of times in our lives. And so I appreciate you for that too. 100%. Got you. Well, thank you all if you are just jumping in um, or if you're returning. Um, first of all, those sounds that you heard were from M. Scott Loves Life. He also does the post-production on this show. So big shout out to M. Scott Loves Life. And jumping back into it. So this is season two, episode five. We're jumping back into the conversation about law enforcement, a topic that we tackled in our first season, but kind of circling back around to it, given the place that we're in at present moment. We discussed the verdict in the George Floyd trial. Derek Chauvin was convicted on all counts of the murder of George Floyd. Rest in power. Um, And just how that ties into the bigger conversation about law enforcement and 
the relationship that law enforcement has had and continues to have with the Black community. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things in terms of just mobilizing that relationship and really just moving past, and again, it's going to take way more than what I'm about to say, but I think one of the things that we need to do is, as Black people, take a space in that enterprise and Mm. so start becoming the law enforcement officers and start being the ones that are monitoring our communities that we're growing up in and I understand like it's a lot more difficult than that and there's like social capital that you have to really understand navigate and everything and you're going into a system that is inherently racist and you know Mm. Uh, provides all these different microaggressions and oppressions for black people. But I think, you know, the U.S. in itself is an inherently systemically oppressing system. And we're slowly starting to mobilize, but we're starting to mobilize in Mm -hmm. terms of different facets, in terms of uh, healthcare, in terms of government, in terms Mm -hmm. of... um, you know, all the different aspects, education, mm-hmm. you know, the line, the list goes on and on. It sucks that we're still continuing to have the first mm-hmm. when it comes to black people. But I think, you know, um, again, we have to start taking up space in these different institutions and in yeah. these different um, occupancies to really make sure that our people are good. 100% because we have to look out for each other, you know, and Mm -hmm. a way that we can do that is by holding these positions. (laughs) A way that we can do that is by holding those positions. So I think that's a really good point. I think another thing that is, that we have to do is educating ourselves on the laws and knowing the laws, Mm -hmm. which sometimes I get it, a lot of people are just like, the cops don't even know the laws. Exactly. <laughs> they don't a lot of times. Unfortunately, part of that is because they don't feel they don't have to. Part of that is the the lack of education and training that takes place. I mean, I don't know a police academy that has any extensive education on the actual laws that they're enforcing because they're mm-hmm. called law enforcement officers. How do yeah. you enforce something that you yourself cannot recite, that you yourself don't have a firm and uh, explicit knowledge of, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's tough, but at the same time, uh, we still have to do our part in staying educated and staying up to date on, you know, what legislation is being passed because that's that we can't make it easy on them. Mm-hmm. They're already, you know, doing oppressing us and yeah. trying to keep us marginalized and, and trying to uh, drown out our voices. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more that we push and the more that we educate ourselves and, and, uh, arm ourselves with the knowledge to hold these establishments accountable, uh, the further we'll get in this in this fight. Um, you always bring up a really good resource for legislation mm-hmm. um, online. And it's uh, nmlegis.gov. And yeah. uh, when you're looking at the legislation, it's going to give you, um, well, go to the legislation tab, but make mm-hmm. sure that 
you uh, click the correct year because it auto-populates to the most recent session. Mm -hmm. And so for this one, it's going to be special session 2021 versus regular session, which the regular session, that's where you find all the pertinent information regarding uh, all the legislation that's been brought to the floor, that's been passed, that's um, uh, in due process. And so just make sure that you familiarize yourself with the nmlegist.gov website because that's going to be your toolkit and that's going to be your resource in navigating and understanding the power that you have as an individual in the society. Absolutely, 100%. I did want to mention um, on the topic of uh, laws and legislation that qualified immunity, which is a a huge part of this conversation in the state of New Mexico, has been done away with. Um, And I do have a succinct definition of qualified immunity, but basically it's a judicially created doctrine that shields government officials from being held personally liable for constitutional violations, like the right to be free from excessive police force. Um, So... There you have it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Basically, um, in a lot of uh, jurisdictions up until now, you couldn't hold a person who's a law enforcement officer personally accountable for any violation of constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And now you can. Um, I never understood or I shouldn't say understood. I understood. I never like agreed or like saw how that even came into play because, you know, I guess the argument for it was that you're a cop, you're performing a civic duty. And in doing so, sometimes you're going to be put in situations where you have to make a split second decision and there's all this stuff that goes into it. Uh, but I don't know. I just look at it, you know, if if they're the people that are supposed to serve and protect, then they should be the ones to fall first. Yeah, definitely. Right? Not the civilian. Even if the civilian isn't, you know, abiding by the law, like you signed up. It's just like when you go to war, mm-hmm. right? When you sign up for... Uh, you know, the army, any branch of the military, uh, like you're putting yourself is the line of duty. Mm-hmm. And your line of duty sometimes may mean that, you know, in order for this person to make it into a courtroom to see their day in court, maybe you don't live. Yeah. And I think that's a tough thing that a lot of people don't want to admit or wrap their minds around or yeah. say that that's the way that it should be. Mm-hmm. But if we really think about it in all actuality, that is really how it should be. That that civilian should make it alive to a courtroom, if, even if that means that you don't live. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that at the end of the day, you're the specialist Mm-hmm. in the situation. So just like you have a nurse who specializes in medicine and um, in healthcare practices, they have to go through an extensive uh, document with all the principles and all the rules. Yep. And so you can't get the wrong dosage and then think, okay, I'm going to be okay. Oh, they died, but, you know, 
I'm gonna still have my job. I was just being a doctor. Yeah, so. exactly. I was just being a nurse. Yeah. Whoops, my bad. Yeah. Like you know, they that's not that's not a reality, especially right. here in America. Same thing with law enforcement. You're the specialist in the situation, so you should have all these tools. And I'm not talking about weapons, mm. but all these tools in order to navigate every situation and yeah. really understand what are some of the. Uh, more common situations that you run into with certain populations Mm -hmm. and figure out how to navigate that or understand how to navigate that. And if you don't, you should lose your license and you should lose your job and you should be incriminated because, again, you'll have a similar situation with somebody that looks like you Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, hold on, sir, excuse (laughs) me. I don't want to, you know, like, I just think that Again, there needs to be a lot more accountability and there needs to be yeah. a system of checks and balances. And I think that mm-hmm. um, get ridding, getting rid of qualified immunity is a step towards that system of checks Absolutely. and balances and accountability for uh, law enforcement. Agree 100%. Uh, accountability is just a huge, huge word, a huge part in all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, even down to, you know, uh, government officials and uh, other other law enforcement officers. Like, okay, if you do have a knowledge of the law, you do have this understanding, you do honor like what it means to like hold the power of the badge, mm-hmm. then make sure that you're checking bad apples <laughs> when you encounter them. Mm-hmm. You know, a part of it is that that blue wall of silence, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, we could talk about that all day long. Oh, yeah, But, definitely. you know, this is, we're kind of coming to the close of our episode. Yeah. But accountability, honestly, um, is the takeaway. And that's really what uh, what this fight is about. It's, that's really what educating ourselves is about, is bringing that accountability. They don't want it, but we're going to bring it to their exactly. doorstep. <laughs> right? And the thing is, so. just to add to that before we um, wrap up. Yeah. Allies mm. and white people and people who are privileged, you have an obligation mm. being in a position of privilege and position of influence to go out of your way to protect us people that regardless of what we do, what we say, the research that we present saying mm-hmm. we're dying, you have an obligation to protect us and work towards mobilizing our community and creating creating an equitable space yes. for black people and people of color. It can only do all of us good. Exactly. It takes a community mm-hmm. to help a community, to mobilize mm-hmm. a community. It takes all of us. Yeah. We can talk to we're black people. We can talk to we're blue in the face and we'll still have nothing done. We'll still get shot, going to get candy, running, mm-hmm. being chilling in our house, yeah, just sleeping. trying to, sleeping, trying to pick yeah. up our child. Like, there's so many different ways that they've shown, law enforcement has shown that they can kill black people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, shoot, I don't With be no so, repercussions. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're walking on landmines and, you know, all black people, if you're still alive, you know, you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, that's you know? really, and it's sad to say that, but that's really this the state of reality that we are in. And uh, I don't take that lightly. Mm-hmm. I know you don't. Oh, uh, no. And we can't, we can't take this conversation lightly and we can't, uh, I know it gets hard and we get fatigued and we get tired of just seeing it every day 
where living while black is just so difficult. You know what I mean? And living while black is is a task, you know? But uh, as long as we have a voice and we can raise it, we will. Oh, yeah. As long as we can educate ourselves and um, access information and hold people accountable, we will. And uh, we just encourage you to stay strong in the fight Keep your head up and mm-hmm. keep shining. Yeah, and that's all we can do. Keep glowing, keep shining, keep being the most beautiful people that we can be. Absolutely. Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and we'll catch you next time. Deuces. <laughs>